Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the latest edition of the First Down Snapcast. Tonight I'm joined by us, Ian, Stuart and Charles, and we've got our special guest and friend of the show, James Coe from America. How's everyone doing? Yo, what's up? Hello, thank good. you. Good. So it's your second time on the show, James. Last time I know we brought many memories, and I know Stuart got you with a halloumi joke of your favourite kind of cheese, so we told Stuart to calm down tonight. Hey, listen, I I appreciate a good, you know, food conversation. No doubt about it. So I'm not mad about it. Oh, wow. Just wait. (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, we put you on, James, because we were taught fantasy football. And obviously, obviously, key of your area. How we, we were discussing this last week. How big has fantasy come become? Because we sometimes now see that people choose the players over game results. Obviously, unless you're it's your team playing, but sometimes now it's looking and going. How many how many receptions has a wide receiver got? How many income completions? Obviously, right. big here, but obviously in America, it's even bigger. Yeah, in stateside, I mean, it's it's massive and and I would argue to the death with anybody that um I believe that fantasy football is the primary engine uh that drives ratings in the NFL um and the reason I say that is because pr- uh prior to you know fantasy football gaining such relevance uh and such prominence in in our cultural touch space that you know if you were a fan of like let's say like the Falcons you know did you really care what was going on in like, let's say like a Jacksonville Jaguars game, you know, or even, or even to a degree, would you care about what's going on with like the Colts? The answer is, I mean, yes, maybe, but nowadays the answer is most definitely yes, hundred percent. Yes. Because you can be a fan of any team, but I'll tell you what, everyone is a fan of their own fantasy football team, Right. And so I think that fantasy football um, has certainly driven ratings uh, sky high uh, from a television standpoint. Um, and, I, and I would, like I said, I would argue to the death uh, to anyone who would disagree with that. I mean, I, I like to argue with that because I only liked my fantasy football team up until about week five. And then, <laughs> then I wasn't so bothered about it anymore. <laughs> you know, and, and I'll tell you this too. 
I'll tell you this too. The other products that have also come, you know, um, have emerged, you know, and, and specifically I'm talking about DFS, you know, it's like, yeah, your season long fantasy team could absolutely suck, but so many people have jumped onto this DFS train, um, you know, DraftKings, FanDuel or what have you. Uh, and I think that too, that product too has done really, really well. And, and again, it just adds more to, to the late season, you know, viewership. I think the DraftKings thing is something that hasn't taken off over here, really, James. It's the, the DraftKings is around in the UK, but I don't know if you guys would agree with me. It's not very big at all, is it? Whereas most people into the NFL will, no, they all have fantasy teams, but not so much DraftKings. It's just not. It's not transferred across. Can I just can I just jump in at this point before Ian steals thunder? and say that DraftKings probably didn't take off <laughs> because they have the single worst advert for it. Every Well, it got out every ad break. It was in famous the over here, yes. And it was awful. <laughs> and it's like, you think, I'm never going to look into DraftKings because this advert is just so bad. There was one that There was, was one guy on it that was what made it <laughs> bad. And it yeah. was as, as he'd won, he was punching the air, but it was so fake. And on oh. the Facebook groups, if everybody only mentioned it, Everybody mentioned that one guy, and that's what DraftKings <laughs> is known for over here. <laughs> that's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, definitely back in there. We are, can, we're I, on. Can, I, can I just ask another question quickly, just while I think about it? Because talking about the, um, the, the the fact that fantasy football is driving, seeming to drive NFL, and you're saying you know you might support a team, but you've got interest in all these other teams. And I don't know if you know the answer to this, James. I mean, I certainly don't. But do you, but leading on from this, do you get to a situation where there's people now supporting or following NFL who don't actually have a team? It's, it's purely fantasy. I'm one of those people. Um, and, you know, people always ask me, well, what's your team? I'm like, my team is my fantasy football team. <laughs> it really is. Back in the day when I first got, you know, interested in the NFL, it was, you know, the Houston Oilers. But what happens when your team leaves, you know? Um, and for a long time, Houston didn't have a team, right? So, like, I followed the Tennessee Titans when the Oilers became the Titans. I followed them to a degree. Uh, but when all the old stalwarts of that original Oilers team kind of left, and I'm talking about, you know, Eddie George. Eddie George is one of my favorite players of all time. Steve McNair. Great player, right? Like Kevin Dyson, like all these guys, Frank Wycheck. So like when all of those guys retired, now I'm kind of sort of left with this Tennessee Titans team that I don't really care about, you know, from a local perspective. Um, and I didn't really follow them, you know, and, um, and then from there, it's like I just kind of sort of adapted my NFL interest to follow my own fantasy football team. And um, I lived in Houston for a long time, and then and then when we moved to LA, um, LA didn't have a team for a long time, right? Now we got two, but you know LA didn't have a team for a long time. And I know a lot of folks in LA, you know, may, maybe they were Charger fans, maybe they were Oakland Raider fans, you know, um, maybe they were old school Rams fans, you know. But the bottom line was there was a lot of folks, I think, especially in the Los Angeles area and other metropolitans that don't have. NFL teams that love the NFL, and I think a lot of that has to do with with fantasy football. So that would be my answer to that. I think there's a lot of people like myself who don't have a team, uh, but they love their fantasy football team. But you had a team, and you lost your team, which was I've got to say was a little bit careless. But but (laughs) I'm I'm talking about people who just come into it and never even thought about it. It strikes me as odd. You know, because obviously I, I support someone. It strikes me as odd that someone can just watch it and be neutral every game. I think I think though in the UK there's a there's a deep rooted need to support somebody. That, I think that stems from the kind of the football soccer over here that you you tend to root for a specific team. But I do think that the fantasy is kind of changing that dynamic where you can come into it fresh off the bat and just pick some players and then just root for those players. It's, it's a little bit different, but the British are very much very stubborn in the way that I need to support a team. Yeah. I must pick a team. And the thing that also is very British and a lot of people can't get their heads round is the way that franchises move over in America because soccer things like that it doesn't it just doesn't happen over. It's happened once with a 
a football team with Wimbledon going to Milton Keynes. And there's still uproar about that. And that was 20 years ago. People yeah. still are bitter about that. And it's just something that doesn't happen over here. So, it's yeah, it is a different concept, isn't it? Yeah, completely different concepts. I think, I think you're right. You say- um, and, I'll, but I, and I'll say this, too. I, I, I think that fantasy and fandom in the NFL is evolving. And as younger people um, begin to watch, you know, fantasy football is kind of sort of gamified um, the experience for them. And I think fantasy football, again, this all goes back to, and I know I'm in the fantasy space, but this all goes back to growth and viewership and the sustainability of the, of the current business model. As we see that, you know, the, the NFL just announced, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars coming their way through new media rights deals. But how can they keep growing? How can they keep expanding with this viewership? Well, listen, if you don't have a, a cultural touchstone with younger viewers, your business model is dead, right? So, to me, fantasy football, again, gamifying the whole situation and and allowing for folks to kind of sort of not root for any particular team, but root for what's in their hand, their, their cell phone, you know, um, I think that helps the NFL. Um, and again, I think fantasy football will be a big driver uh, in that area. I think definitely one way where the NFL have got it better than we have in ours. So in the soccer ones over here, you can all have the same players. Whereas in the NFL, if you're in a league, there's only one person getting Todd Gurley or Dalvin yeah. Cook. Yeah, that, that's what's rubbish about ours is because you all start off with different teams at the start of the year, but by halfway through the season, everybody's got the same strikers, everybody's got the same midfield yeah. because those are the guys scoring the points. And you just lose interest because you've ever, everybody's got the same team. Yeah, they do. We used to, the NFL, Sky Sports used to do that as well, if you remember the UK version. They initially had one where you cho- you were in the league with me, Charles, weren't you? Where you you'd choose one quarterback, one wide receiver, one running back each week. You chose a different player, and it's good to start with. But by about week eight or nine, everybody's picking exactly the same players each week, and it, there's no fun to it. There's no skill, no fun to it. And if we ask Stuart, we know what his favourite part of NFL fantasy. He'll draft oh, team, my God, and within yeah. about thirty oh. seconds of drafting. We're trading. Yeah, he literally, he's, he's messaging you. Can we trade? Can we trade? I'm a firm believer that you don't win it by sticking with the team that you drafted. You've got to ever evolve your team. Well, draft the right players then. Draft the right players in the first place. I gain capital in the draft, and then I use that capital to get the players I want. Yeah, did you win a game last year? No, I, <laughs> no, no, I was. I, I think I actually. I, I think I got to the wooden spoon, the wooden wooden spoon final, which was like fifteenth versus sixteenth, and I think I lost that as well. <laughs> oh Lord! Did anyone ever trade with you? No, I, I'm blaming COVID because I couldn't. I couldn't get in the face of people to trade with me. <laughs> So, James, you can see we're all experts at uh, <laughs> fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> so, in regards to fantasy last season, James, was there any standout players who shocked you in their fantasy value who you wasn't expecting to? Yeah, I mean, I think we start with Aaron Rodgers, you know. I mean, you could point to James Robinson, too, who obviously came out of absolutely nowhere. But I, I think Aaron Rodgers, for, for most fantasy experts, uh, maybe for casual fans, not so much. But Aaron Rodgers, you know, in 2019 looked like – I don't want to say he looked like he was done. But I'll say this. He certainly looked like he was done as an elite fantasy option at quarterback. And last year, oh, my goodness, the guy absolutely killed it, you know. Um, Big-time bounce-back season, obviously won the, the real-life MVP. But in a lot of ways, he was, you know, a fantasy MVP candidate as well. Finished as the quarterback four through 16 weeks. I mean, the dude had 51 total touchdowns. Come on now. Um, and we're talking about a guy in the year prior that was the QB 11. He's an aging quarterback. You know, it was to me that was one of the biggest surprises um, in in all of fantasy football last year was Aaron Rodgers' complete and utter comeback, and he just looked fantastic last year. And um, and boy, I'll say this: 
you know, I know we're going to talk about disappointment. I, I almost wonder if he's going to be a, a, a disappointment next year, but, but we can certainly get into that when the time comes. Can I just jump in again and just for a bit of context, James, ask you this. How did you get into doing the fantasy football? And when did you realize you were going to be the number one world expert on it? <laughs> I am most certainly not uh, the number one expert. Uh, but no, you know, I, um, I got into this sport. Um, I, I mean, I've been playing fantasy sports for, gosh, I don't know, since 1998, 1996. So, you know, we're, we're touching, what, 25 years now playing fantasy sports. I, I started with fantasy baseball. Um, and then, you know, I expanded into fantasy basketball, fantasy football. Um, I mean, I tried fantasy golf, I think one, one season that didn't turn out so well. Uh, but yeah, no, listen, I, you know, I just been in the fantasy space and just playing the game as a fan for a long time and fantasy football, I never considered it to be like a thing that you could get a job doing. But I mean, you know, the, the, the road takes you in some pretty crazy winding directions and, and here I am. And obviously I'm extremely happy that, uh, I'm extremely happy to be doing what it is I'm doing right now. As this lot will tell you, I need a job, so I'll speak to you about it afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I love it. He knows nothing, though. Like, nothing. <laughs> about, about anything, not just NFL. He's just nothing about anything. <laughs> I think one of the crazy things about fantasy, you can have such ups and down weeks. Like, I'll talk from experience last week, last year. I was having a killer game, and then it was the week um, KC played Tampa, and Tyreek Hill killed it in the first quarter. He just wrote my fantasy week off that week. Tyreek had like 48 points in first part. It's like, game over, go to bed. <laughs> they just destroyed my team. Yeah. It's, James, how many... Good when you play me. James, how many teams do you have on the go in a season? How many teams would you have? You know, I think people would be surprised because, you know, I, I get asked this question a lot. Um, and, and quite frankly, I mean, I do have quite a few. I mean, I've got... Uh, I think last season I played... Six different leagues. Um, but honestly, you know, six is really, I know it sounds like, you know, maybe to the normal person, that sounds like a lot, but for industry people that I'm actually on the extreme low end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and, and you know why though? It's because part of it is just time management. Like I don't want to be spending time. Well, first of all, here, here's the thing, right? Like I could be in, 20 leagues if I wanted to. I could be in 50 leagues if I wanted to. But the problem is the expectation. People in, you know, want you to play in their league and they want you to be competitive. It's like, oh, James Kell, this guy knows about fantasy. His whole profession is about fantasy football. So obviously we get him in this league, he's going to be an extremely competitive player. I hate to break it to some people out there, but unless there's massive money on the line, I don't give two pieces of shit about your league, honestly. <laughs> um, I, I just don't. Like, I'm in, I'm in two, I'm in two fairly large money leagues where, you know, the, the pots are in the thousands. And I just, like I said, unless you're giving me that juice, I just, at this point in my life, I just don't care. But the sad thing is, like, so, you know, but if you invite me into the league and I'm like, I'm one of those owners that makes like, I don't know, like six moves all year. Don't I respond to no trade requests? I don't do it. Like I barely work the waiver wire. It's a, it's a bad look on me, right? Like, so I don't want to be that owner. I don't ever want to be that manager that is completely just like, you know, uh, mailing it in with his league and just doesn't care. I don't want to be that guy. So that's why I declined so many invites. But, um, but yeah, I am in six. I played in six leagues last year. Um, I had two. I think I had, I was in one charity league. I was in two leagues. No, I was in two charity leagues, actually. Two charity leagues. Two, um, like listener leagues for my podcast. And then, uh, two more, uh, you know, fairly large money leagues as well. So, uh, that that's kind of where I was at. Well, Richard, so Richard, <laughs> I just need to I just need to ask you. Can you just scrub that question about asking James to join our league, please? <laughs> 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 the 
Yeah, he lost me at the fact that he said he wouldn't respond to trade requests. <laughs> exactly. Who's, who's that guy, Stuart? He says, I can't believe he's joint league and he's not trading. I do know. Obviously, we've got a, a lot of change next month with like the draft and rookies, obviously, but in regards to the current players, James, do you see anyone who you'd say, yeah, it's going to be his year and people whose market's probably falling going into the new season? Who to avoid? Uh, well, I mean, Kenyon Drake just signed with the Raiders. I don't really understand that move for the Raiders. I don't understand that move for Kenyon Drake. Um, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know. If I'm Kenyon Drake, I, I'd probably be pretty upset with my – I mean, I guess he's the one that ultimately signs the, the contract, but – Really? That's that's all Kenyon Drake got? And, and also, you're going to a, a team that's got Josh Jacobs? You, you're clearly – you're not even 1B in that scenario. You're, yeah. like, clearly the backup, right? So, um, I don't, I'm not sure what Kenyon Drake is thinking. But, you know, obviously, he disappointed in fantasy last year. Uh, a lot of folks thought he was going to be uh, this, you know, highly explosive player. And I, I was one of those people cautioning against that, you know. It's like we had seen many, many seasons now, many, many games, uh, Kenyon Drake kind of falling off. And, and I know he had a great, a wonderful eight-game stretch uh, with Arizona in 2019 to close it out and got people really excited. But there's a danger to that, you know. Uh, seeing a guy whose entire career has been kind of sort of a middling talent and then, you know, explodes for eight games. But um, I think he's a, obviously a name that you could pretty much, I don't want to say cross off, but now he goes from, like, interesting mid-round pick to, like, uh, a late-round handcuff. Um, I, I do think that Aaron Rodgers will come back to the pack. Um, and I'm not talking about the Packers. I'm just talking about, like, I think he's going to be, like, a QB eight or nine next year. And I think people are going to pay premium prices for Aaron Rodgers. And the reason I say that is because this is a guy that played extremely well. I was impressed with what he, what he put on paper um, and certainly what he put on film last year, but you got to understand, you know, there was a lot of games last year where he, played against bad pass defenses. In fact, six of his games last year came against the bottom five pass defenses in the NFL. He only had three games, you know, all of last year that came against top 10 pass defenses. So put it, I'll put it to you another way. 13 of his 16 games came against either average or bad pass defenses. And I think that changes um, in 2020. Um in 2021. So that would just be my thought. I, I think that Aaron Rodgers comes back to the pack. Um, I think he, I think he really, really made, did well with a, with an easy schedule. I think their schedule will be a little tougher this year. Obviously we don't know that quite yet, but um, I think it's going to be a lot tougher. Um, and, and uh, you know, so I, I just think he comes back uh, to earth a little bit. Uh, another player, obviously that I think a lot of folks are kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say crossing off, but, I think there's a lot of worry in regards to Michael Thomas, right? Drew Brees retires. You know, what are you doing with Michael Thomas? And I think Michael Thomas, to me, um, if Jameis is going to be the starting quarterback, that's a big red flag. I mean, it really is. Jameis is just not a good timing-based quarterback. His numbers when thrown to slants and hitches and uh, and those quick-hitting routes, they're awful. They're terrible. Um, he throws a lot of picks in those situations because he's just not a timing-based guy. He throws too late. This is a guy that needs to see it and rip it. Um, but it's very different than the timing-based, you know, patterns that uh, that Michael Thomas has thrived off of for the past few seasons. Obviously, he had a nightmare injury-riddled campaign there in 2020, but he'll be hopefully healthier in 2021. But I, I think so long as Jameis is the quarterback, he's for me at cost, probably not worth it. Um. I don't know in your leagues, James, if you have a trend. So, like, in a lot of the ones we're involved, majority of the first round, first and second round, everyone goes running back, unless you've got odd people go for an Aaron Rodgers, but everyone goes running back for the first couple of rounds, and they do wide receivers. Is it similar to that in your leagues as well? It just depends, you know. Um, obviously, running back is, is a heavily drafted position in the first couple of rounds, but um, it really depends on the format. Um, I play in... 
uh, one league that's a three wide or a, most of my leagues are three wide receiver um, and full PPR. So that changes the equation a little bit. Um, you got to if you're in a two wide receiver league, the uh, the impetus to draft an early wide receiver is is pretty low. You know, um, so I don't know. I me personally, if you're asking me prime setups, like I am a full on advocate for six point passing touchdowns. Um, as a matter of fact, I pretty much won't play in a league that doesn't have six six point passing touchdowns um, because that's how much I believe in it. I think it's absolute bullshit that they're four four points for a passing touchdown. Like Aaron Rodgers last year in a six point passing touchdown league is a quarterback one. Like he's the MVP of the league. He threw fifty one total touchdowns. Why is this guy not the quarterback one? Right. Like Tyler Murray had like something like 12 or 13 fewer touchdowns. Like, yeah, he had more um, total yards, but like not that much. Right. So I guess from my point of view, which is kind of like running quarterbacks already have a, a built in advantage because rushing yards are counted more than passing yards. But from a real life perspective, if a guy throws for 5000 yards versus a guy throwing for 4000 and running for a thousand, why should the guy running for a thousand why are those yards more valuable than the guy passing for 5,000? I, I guess I just don't understand. Like quarterback pass, like, you know, yardage should all be equalized. And certainly why the hell are, are catching and rushing touchdowns worth more than a passing touchdown? I, like that is just mind boggling to me. Like I don't understand that concept at all. Um, and I completely and utterly disagree with it. There's a lot of mathematical reasons why. Um, that's a bad idea. Um, and I've written, you know, lengthy pieces about, um, about that as well. But anyways, I'm going off on a total tangent. I can't even remember what your original question was, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, please. If you are in, Oh, you're asking about running backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, 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 in my leagues, yeah, running backs do go early, but, um, in my three wide receiver setups and especially with setups, uh, with uh, six point passing touchdowns, you will see, you know, a quarterback or two sneak into the first couple of rounds. Is there um, is there any of the current free agents that have obviously signed now that you think have gone from not so great to actually they actually might be worth an earlier pick? Uh, it's it's tough, you know. I mean, I think Matt Stafford is somebody that can go earlier, um, but still he's going to go, and mostly he's he's still going to go extremely late. You know, I mean, we're talking about a guy who I think will will be a top ten. Uh, top 10 fantasy quarterback, but you're not going to pay a premium for that. You know, I mean, he's still going to go in the double digit rounds. At least I would think, you know, um, that would be my thought, but certainly he will be a, an interesting sleeper. There's really, man, there's really not too many folks. I, I mean, I can think of, you know, situations that, um, that certainly did not help the player. Um, well, boy, you know what? Actually, now that I think about it, Terry McLaurin, I think is a, is a clear cut winner. Uh, in free agency with Fitzpatrick throwing him the ball and, and force look Fitzpatrick loves to force feed the rock and if he's force feeding the rock to Terry McLaurin he's going to do some good things you know so I think for me Terry McLaurin who last year I think was like a fifth round pick um, certainly uh, is going to be you know taken in the first three rounds he's going to be a top 30 selection in my opinion um, and I think he he will be well worth it in that regard I think James Robinson's value has taken a little bit of a hit I, I really like Carlos Hyde um, and I think he's an undervalued and underrated running back in the NFL. Um, and I think teaming up with Urban Meyer and all them, um, I think he will be an interesting play. Um, look, uh, will Divine Zigbo, you know, will he play and, and will he, you know, provide some spark too? I just think the, the total uh, touch share for James Robinson is going to be going down. He was used heavily last year, and I just don't see that. Uh, happening here in 2021. So I'm actually very curious to see what James Robinson's ADP will be come closer to draft time. Do you think um, that obviously some of the releases might help players? Like, for example, uh, Philip Lindsay's been released from Broncos. Do you think that actually might see an upturn in Melvin Gordon? I know that they've signed Boone from um, Vikings as uh, as running back too, but does that mean we're expecting more from Gordon this year? I think from a volume standpoint, I think that's a very fair assessment. Um, but boy, it's really interesting. I'll be, I'm curious, you know, cause I think they need to address quarterback. Drew Locke is, is not just, it's funny when people keep saying there's going to be a competition and that's fine, but he is a bad quarterback. 
Um, there was a lot of, I mean, you could look at any number of advanced metrics uh, regarding Drew Locke. You're talking about tight window throws, deep downfield, um, under pressure. He he was terrible in every metric. So I'm just confused, you know, like did he make spl- – this is where it gets tricky because did he make splash plays? Yes, he made splash plays. But in, in terms of the actual job of quarterbacking, was he good? No. They're unequivocally – he was a bad quarterback, but he made splash plays and he made enough splash plays where people forget about all the terrible throws uh, that he made last year. But um, if they improve the quarterback position markedly, significantly, um, then certainly Melvin Gordon's value, I think, rises. But I don't know. I haven't watched in the last couple of years. I think he's run OK. I don't think he's running well. Uh, so that's why I'm a little bit more hesitant on on Melvin Gordon. And by the way, they could also draft a rookie running back that could also muck it up. Um, so that would be very interesting to me as well. Just, just going back to your point on McLaurin, do you not think that Curtis Samuel might take some of the workload away from him now that he's signed in with Washington? Uh, from McLaurin, no, I, I mean, again, I, I think we're talking about a guy that you can lock and load him for about 150 targets or more. Uh, boy, I mean, I tell you, if, if this is a guy that's all like 170 targets or something like that, uh, we're talking about potentially the wide receiver one. Uh, that's how good he is. That's how bad the quarterback play was last year. Um, and I think if he gets, you know, Fitzpatrick force feeding him the rock, you know, 150, 160 times per game. Oh my goodness! Watch out! This guy's going to score ten, ten touchdowns and, and, and put up like, you know, fourteen hundred yards. I've, I'm sorry, Richard. I'm stealing the thunder. I've got I've got more questions. So I know that obviously Bill Belichick's gone away and, and opened his purse and kind of bought some weapons in for New England. I personally have a lot of reservations about drafting any New England receivers purely based on Cam Newton and whether his arm is or whether his ability to read defences and get those passes out with his arm. What's your thoughts on that kind of position in, in New England? They definitely need to, I think, evaluate the wide receiver position. I'm sure they have. They're probably going to draft a couple of wide receivers as well. Um, I'm, I have not been very, you know, very impressed with the, the, the moves they've made of free agency in regards to the wide receiver room. Now, every, everywhere else, great. John U. Smith, you know, uh, Hunter Henry, awesome, right? They're going to run a lot of 12 personnel uh, as they want to do there in New England anyways. Uh, with Cam Newton there, you know, potentially, you know, running a little bit. Is this guy going to run more read option or not? I guess that's my question. You know, if he does not run more read option, I don't really – like as a pure pocket passer, he's not good. And – you know, I don't really, you know, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think I'm disparaging the guy. I think he's a very good player. But if you take away one of his greatest attributes, which is the ability to run the ball, I don't think he's that great of a player. Like he goes from a great player to like a below average player because you're asking him to do things that he's not the best at doing. You know what I'm saying? So I'd like to see him run the ball a lot more, and I think if he does that, um, he will open up the offense for other players. And, boy, I am interested to see uh, what happens with their wide receiver room. But I think you can book it. Those two tight ends, they're going to do some damage, and they're going to do some work. But, I mean, based on his injury record, do you think he can run the ball still? Um, I would think that he can. Um, Does he have – I don't know. Is he a little gun shy about running it? I think so. I think all the injuries in terms of um, in, in, in terms of what he has suffered, I think, has made him a little gun shy. And of course, that's first of all, of course, that's it's makes all the sense in the world that that would be the case. Um, but if that is the case, you know, can we can they come out with a few more designed runs? I think quarterbacks when they are in that situation where they can trust, you know, run blocking or whatever it is. They're going to feel a little bit more safe and they are a little bit more safe versus scrambling around and kind of sort of taking pot shots from out of nowhere. That's where guys get hurt. You know what I mean? Um, on these designed runs, I think it's just a little, I mean, Kyler Murray is a great example. They have a lot of design runs for him, 
you know, whether it's quarterback power, whether, you know, w- w- whether we're talking about quarterback draws or whatever, um, he gets out, he scoots out and he slides. Russell Wilson, same thing. He gets out, scoots out and slides. I think Cam Newton can do the exact same thing. Um, obviously he's got tackle breaking, you know, power and can do it that way as well. But for me, let's get some design runs for the guy, you know, some design plays, uh, that get him out of the pocket or hell quarterback power up the pocket. I don't care, but some, some design plays for, for Cam where he's not getting soul hammered, where he's just not getting battered all the time. Um, and where he can take, you know, uh, some, some punishment, but not a ton. That would be, um, in, in my opinion, I think an ideal situation for Cam. Stuart's only come on here and asking you these questions because he's, he's noting them down for his fancy football team next season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's going to try and delete this podcast so it never goes out so nobody else hears any of it. Well, look, luckily, we only, we only have three listeners. When I fail now, I can blame James Carr. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> just, just probably one more fancy question before we move on. So, in regards when you're picking your players, and you're looking to pick people who you think are going to play every week. Personally, from my point, I'd be avoiding any running back from Indianapolis because they've got four running backs. You don't know who's going to get the share now. So, like, there's someone like you think that you know those teams who've got two or three people who are going to share the ball. They're the ones you're going to want to avoid, really, as a starters, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. The, the, two of the best running backs down the stretch were Jonathan Taylor and David Montgomery, and both those guys, I, I can't even – I just can't see myself drafting either one. Um, I think both really, really, really feasted on horrendous, horrendous rush defenses down the stretch, especially David Montgomery. Um, and so, yeah, I would – both of those guys, I'm, I'm probably fading uh, in redraft. Um the, the Jonathan Taylor one is intriguing to me, and I'm actually a little bit torn on that because I think he's got all the tools to be a special, special player. But I just wonder if, as you guys mentioned, that running back room is a little bit too crowded um, and if Frank Reich and them are going to, you know, kind of muddy the waters a little bit by getting, you know, a, a rotation going uh, with their running backs. And if that's the case, then uh, probably not worth it to draft Jonathan Taylor. But, man – from an athletic profile, extremely exciting player, um, and, and a player that I was super high on uh, going into the pre-draft process last year. Um, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. The way that they utilized him early in the season and, and that crowded running back room right now makes me a little hesitant to give him a full-throated endorsement. So just talking about the draft, do you um, do you kind of pencil players in now who you're kind of looking at, or do you wait to see where they land before you kind of work out if they're worth drafting or not? Yeah, I mean it's it's a two two part equation for me, right? Like who do I like, right? So and we're talking about player, we're talking about athletic profile, we're talking about overall offense, we're talking about offensive line. Um, and defense too, by the way, t- you know, it does take some consideration here because, you know, preferably you'd, you'd like either a pass catching running back or if you're going to get more of a ground and pound running back, you want that guy attached to a good defense. Um, bad defenses tend not to, you know, run the ball because they are always in trailing, uh, mode. So that's something that I do keep into consideration. But then the other side of it too is just kind of sort of ADP. Like, where do these guys fall in terms of like, what's their cost? You know, like, um, I'm going to make a very American reference here, but like, like, let's say I love a Big Mac from McDonald's, right? Um, maybe I'll pay, you know, 350 for a Big Mac. That's fine. But if you're asking me to pay $20 for a Big Mac, I'm not going to do it. Now, that doesn't mean I don't like Big Macs. I just don't want to pay $20 for it. Um, so, so for me, it's like when I look at some of these football, uh, you know, some of these draft values, that's really where, I determine whether or not I'm going to cross a guy off or elevate a guy and, and say, okay, I need to get that guy. You know, like, for example, like I, lo- I just got done talking about Terry McLaurin. I love Terry McLaurin with Fitzmagic. I, and I truly believe he has the potential to be a top three wide receiver in the NFL next year. Now, am I going to pay a top five draft pick for Terry McLaurin? The answer to that is no. I love Terry McLaurin because I'm going to – I, in my opinion, I'm going to get him at a discount. I'm going to get him in the third round with first round upside, 
But if I have to pay first round prices to get to get a guy that needs to hit that ceiling, then it's not as appealing, right? So it all to me it all comes down to talent, situation, and then finally the other side of that equation is is the price that you're gonna have to pay. So who uh, who in the current draft class have you kind of earmarked as potentials then? Uh in terms of what, the rookie draft class? Yeah, the rookies, yeah. Yeah, look, you know, I haven't done a, a ton of homework on on the rookie guys quite yet. Um, there are some guys that I I feel like are, are going to do well, but I, I hesitate to say anything because I haven't actually done the film work yet uh, for it. And, and quite honestly, I don't kind of sort of don't do that until after the combine. And obviously, we're kind of in this COVID situation, so the combine's not happening. But um, I I haven't actually done film work on a lot of rookies as you've been. Look, Trevor, have I seen, have I watched film on Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, the quarterback? Yes. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, those guys are kind of sort of irrelevant, right? Because you're never going to draft a rookie quarterback, or at least I would hope you don't because the quarterback position is so deep. Uh, but I do believe Trevor Lawrence is probably the best quarterback prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. Um, I really like Justin Fields. I think he's a really, really good um, athletic quarterback as well. Uh, great arm, uh, can scoot a little bit, and he's kind of sort of your prototypical modern-day quarterback that can do a little bit of everything. And then Zach Wilson out of BYU. Um, again, uh, love the athleticism, love the arm strength. Oh, my goodness. And there are some throws that he makes where you're just like, oh, boy, this kid ha- can do it all. Um in a lot of ways, Zach Wilson reminds me a little bit of Justin Herbert, um, where he's got some bad tape and then he's got some freaking fantastic tape, you know. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with Zach Wilson. Uh, but again, I, you know, depending on where they land, they will either they will elevate whoever they are with. But I got to see where they land first before I can uh, make those assessments. But you know, uh, and again, you know, there, there are certain running backs and wide receivers that I do have my eye on, but golly, I, I hate to actually make a statement on that until I actually sit down, grind a little tape on these guys, uh, and then actually come out with a, with an opinion. Has anyone else got any more fantasy questions before we move I, on? I've just got one that's just a bit of an offshoot one. Um, Charles now, as well as doing fantasy football, we're in a prediction league. Every year that we do, we do pay a bit of money for. And there's a there's a prize fund at the end of the season. Now, with your expertise in your stats and the players, does that transfer over to predicting games? Does that well, work? Well, I, I'm not asking yeah, predictions. I, I'm just asking if if it would work. You know, if it does. Work. <laughs> Um, I, I do believe so. Yeah. No. I mean, listen. Um, I, I think especially early on, I think fantasy guys especially early on. Fantasy guys are way ahead of the game uh, in terms of actual setups versus living off of the prior season's reputation, yeah. right? So everyone, when they're making their week one predictions, um, basically builds that off of what they saw last year, right? And that in the NFL is an absolutely terrible way to go because there's so much player movement um, and so many different things can happen. So, I, yeah, I think fantasy guys, especially in the first two, three, four weeks, um, have a great advantage um, in the prediction business, if you want to call it that. You know, if you want to call it uh, sports betting, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, got a good, got a pretty good yeah. uh, handle on that as well. Um, so, yeah, I think – I think, and again, you know how I'm talking about, like, you've got to study a guy's situation. We're talking about, is the offense good? Is the defense good? And then you kind of sort of doing that with all 32 teams. Okay, now, that means we have actually studied the rosters, right? So we've studied the rosters. Now, we might be wrong on some of these assumptions, but we've at least put the homework in, put the work in to tell you, okay, now these 32 teams, this is their situation. And so then when it comes to week one, all of a sudden, you know, you're talking about like, well, uh, this team is, is good at defending the run. This team's going to be bad at defending the run. This team's going to be bad in pass defense. This team's going to be good in pass. And these guys got the weapons. And when you start putting all these puzzle pieces together, I do believe, at least in the early slate of, of uh, NFL games, fantasy guys do have a leg up. 
that's quite interesting because I would say I'd lose it in the first couple of weeks. That's when I play catch-up the rest of the season. Charles knows this. I've been doing it for years. And, and I do well in the prediction league. I've won it a couple of times. But I always start off badly and have to try and catch up. So, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd agree with that. What's that for find... fantasy game, then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I find, to be honest with you, I find when we're talking about, you know, predictions, I find the early season to be a little easier, and I'm talking like the first two weeks. Um, the middle portion of the season becomes very difficult because um, injuries start piling up. Um, you know, motivation starts to become an issue as well, so we're not 100% sure where guys' heads are at. Um, and and then late in the season, I feel like it's actually a lot easier to predict games because you kind of sort of get a sense of like, okay, what teams are competing, what teams are not competing, and then we've had an entire, you know, season's worth of data to kind of build on and say, oh, for sure, this team can run the ball. Oh, for sure, this team can't run the ball. That's going to impact the over-under number. That's going to impact who wins this game. And so I feel like late in the season, the last, you know, four weeks of the season, I feel really comfortable about making predictions as well. I mean, just to, just to highlight that fact, like last year, the Vikings, my team, were horrific against the run. Um, Montgomery ran all over us. Uh, Alvin Kamara on Christmas had an absolute oh, field. Yeah. But obviously this, this next year, we've got Pierce is back, we've just signed Tomlinson, Hunter's back. So that, that kind of D-line is completely different now. So as you're saying right. now, so going into that week one, you know, if people are looking against last year thinking our oh, Vikings are really bad against the, the run, well, actually, that's not the case because you've got people coming back. We've signed some movements in free agency. So then it kind of changes yeah. the outlook of game one. Oh, no doubt. Um, and, and the funny thing is, like, I don't love Patrick Peterson, you know, at this point in his career. But I still think he's a good run defender, too, you know. So, like, you know, he's going to make an impact uh, on the run defense as well, to, to, to your point. So I, I'm actually intrigued. Um, you know, I think they don't have the best defense in the whole world. But um, certainly in the secondary, they, they got, you know, pretty much burned last year. But, man, I'll say this, you know, I thought Mike Zimmer did have, have his guys – at least on the, you know, from the cornerback position, kind of playing above their heads a little bit uh, because they had suffered so many injuries in that secondary, and yet they were still fielding a pretty competitive team. Yeah, I, I, I kind of didn't take much notice of our secondary last year purely because I think our, our D-line didn't get any kind of pressure on the quarterback, which for me kind of just hangs your secondary out to dry a little bit. You're asking them to cover for too long. And especially when the quarterback's making those kind of extended runs and stuff like that, I, I think we've got a decent young cornerback group, and I think Patrick Peel kind of bring a little bit more experience to that. Yeah, oh, for sure. And and like I said, I am intrigued by. Um, and again, look, he's obviously lost a step, um, but he can still play to a degree. Um, and and again, it's a low cost. Um, I don't, I don't want to say low cost, but certainly a low risk deal for the Vikings to bring in Patrick Peterson on a one-year, $10 million deal. And, and boy, he, he will, I think, add a lot of experience uh, to that room. And I, I am intrigued, especially because I think Zimmer has had a history uh, of coaching up his guys. But, yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting defense for sure. I've got a, um, a question to ask you on a slightly different tack. But before I say that, I just want to mention one of our listeners who's uh, been, he's probably been listening patiently for the last three quarters of an hour, and the only words he's actually heard on the whole podcast, now know who he is, are the words Big Mac. I'm not going to name it. <laughs> <laughs> he won't hear this thing, because when he heard it, he will have gone out to McDonald's straight away. Yeah. Not, there you go. Not, not just one. Anyway, my question, my question slightly, slightly, slightly away from speaking about individual players, and it's to you, James, because I've, I've talked to the others too often. Um, right, so when Sunday rolls round, and Sunday night for us, and, and sometimes very late night, but for Sunday afternoon for you, you sit down, or do you sit down? I'm, I'm going to say what you might do, and you're going to correct me. So do you actually properly watch the games, or do you do what Ian does sometimes, get fed up with the games, and you go on to the intensity, which is red zone? That's only with Dallas. <laughs> That's only with Dallas last season where I was getting fed up. 
<laughs> throwing things at the telly. <laughs> Um, so actually one of my jobs is actually to work with the red zone channel. Um, and they have a channel called fantasy zone that is basically red zone. Um, uh, but we, we talk about it from a fantasy perspective. So all day Sunday, um, we are skipping game to game, touchdown, touchdown. We're going to show you every single score, uh, in the NFL, just like red zone would do. Uh, except that we then give you fantasy analysis with all of that, which is great. Um, it's a fun show. I love the show. If you're stateside, please, um, you know, think about purchasing Fantasy Zone. That would be great. It will help me greatly. Uh, but, um, but yeah, you know, when it comes to Sunday night and these primetime games, Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, um, yeah, I do sit down. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm going to record it, too. And just to kind of sort of make up some time uh, here and there, I've got two kids, you know, married two kids and everything like, you know, you've got I've got to like figure out how to squeeze everything in. And one of the ways to squeeze that in is is, is to watch these games on delay. Um, I record them and then kind of fast forward through until I catch up. Um, so that's kind of the dirty little secret for me. That's why you won't find me on. You will not find me on Twitter during primetime games because I am watching it on delay. I'm probably hanging out with my kids, quite honestly. Um, and then, and then when it starts to wind down or, you know, uh, you know, I, I need to actually get to it. Um, I will watch the games, but fast forward through all the commercials and all, all of the, uh, lineup changes and stuff. And I'll be able to watch an entire primetime game in like, I don't know, like an hour and a half. Is that um, that fantasy analysis group? I was just going to say, just let me carry on on this point for a second. Because fantasy, the NFL, as we, as we, I've certainly spoken to Ian about this before, you get a lot of people who love stats getting attracted. They might not, be, they might not be the biggest NFL fans in the world, but they, they get attracted to the stats. So if you're attracted to the stats and you're attracted to the fantasy football, surely you could take it to the logical ex- extreme. And you could actually do the stats and the football, uh, the, the stats and the fantasy, without actually watching any football. Uh, you certainly could. I mean, I, I, you know, again, we go back to the whole gamifying everything. I'll tell you this: when I'm watching these games, I've got my, you know, stat tracker up, and I'm and I'm certainly looking uh, for stats, and, and I love watching it kind of ping up on my little stat tracker. Um, so I think there is a lot to that. I'll have my phone on me, look at my, you know, various DFS contests and, and I love seeing my stats pop up there. But I just think that humans will always be attracted to emotion. Um, and the one thing that, uh, has been painfully clear in watching, um, sports in this COVID era is that with the lack of emotion, the lack of fans in particular, it takes away a lot from these games. Um, so now you're talking about going to the extreme, like not even watching the humans do this and just looking at just the stats. I think that takes away a lot, right? So um, I think that I think that humans will always be attracted to emotion, um, and that is a big reason why. I mean, listen, you guys know over there, like, if you're a a soccer fan and you guys call it football, if you guys are like a Liverpool fan, like, watching them play without fans, it's a different beast. It's a completely different beast. And it takes away so much from the game. And when the crowds are back and somebody knocks in, you know, the go-ahead goal and the crowd just rips it, like it's just a different experience entirely, and whether you're watching it on TV or watching it live, um, I think it does make a difference. So, um, to to answer your question, uh, no, I don't. I don't think that even if you are an extreme um, fantasy football fan, I don't think it will ever get to that level uh, because we're not robots. We're humans, and we do like seeing human emotion. That's reassuring. <laughs> It's a slightly tongue-in-cheek question, as I'm sure you're. <laughs> oh. 
So, yeah. sorry, sorry, Rich. My my question was going to be that um, that program that you're talking about on a Sunday where you do kind of all the touchdowns and then the fantasy analysis. Is that available in the UK? Do you know? Because I've never I've never never come no, across I've that. Never seen it. No, I've not. Seen I that. don't. I want to say it is not. I am not sure. Um, I, do you guys get? You, but you guys get red zone though. We we yeah, have game we have game pass which incorporates red zone as well. But Sky oh, Sports have right. red zone on as yeah, well. Yeah as yeah channel, yeah yeah. So. Well, Sky right, Sports right, right, got right, right. Sky Sports have got red zone, so I think they've paid for the rights for red zone. But yeah. I have not seen right. game pass. So there's a market for you. There you go. <laughs> That's the next move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think you're right. I think Sky Sports partnered up uh, with DirecTV and or NFL Network or whoever uh, to get you Red Zone. Who's your Red Zone guy? Is it Scott Hansen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We just get your yeah, feeds. It's, it's, it's actually very, quite confusing because uh, there's two Red Zones in America, and they're both called Red Zone. And they both oh. do the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it is very confusing. There's the DirecTV Red Zone, which is uh, the company that I, I am with, and uh, that one has Andrew Siciliano actually doing that one. And then there's the there's another Red Zone, and this one originates out of NFL Network, um, and that one is provided to by I don't know to, to various cable companies. But yeah, it, that one originates out of uh, NFL Network, and that one has Scott Hansen. So that's why I was asking you, do you get Scott Hansen or or not? Because yeah, the DirecTV version has actually Andrew Siciliano. No, we don't. Very weird and random. <laughs> you should stream, you should stream it on, uh, on the internet and we can watch it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I can't be doing that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll not tell anyone. I'll, I'll, run, I'll, 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 I'll not tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's screwing your fan base in the UK, that's how you do. <laughs> It really is. It's true. It's true. <laughs> could you could you argue that a potential downside of the fantasy football regime is that it dehumanises players and also um, makes them more of a, a, a product than 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 an actual person? Um, first of all, that is one hundred percent true. That is not just a problem. It's a huge problem. Uh, in my opinion, and I and I always feel like there's at least a few times a season where I'm just like, you guys got to chill uh, with this stuff because sometimes I think people forget that these guys are not they're not video game sprites. Okay, this is not Super Mario Brothers, right? Like this is not Zelda. Like you're not controlling uh, uh, a character. These are human beings uh, with human emotions. They've got families. They've got I, I always say this too. It's like people forget, man. Like sometimes when a guy has a bad game, it's not because he stinks or because the coverage or what. Sometimes a guy just has a bad game because he's having a bad day. I've heard so many stories of a guy. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of stories, and I'll, I'll give one example. I can't give any names, but you know, he's in the locker room. Star wide receiver gets is on the phone like an uh, an hour before warmups. And he is just in a screaming match with his wife or girlfriend, right? And and he went out and had a horrendous game. Now, you got to understand, like, think about that for a second. You know, like, if you were, if that was you and you're in this horrible, horrible argument with your spouse or significant other or whatever, and then you've got to go in and, like, create, like, write or, like, podcast or, like, whatever, like, it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that. Um, and so I can only imagine some of the stress that some of these guys are feeling on game day and how that, you know, uh, it basically kind of translates itself onto the field. Man, by the way, that's why psychos like Michael Jordan are good, because they literally don't care about people. <laughs> like, they're complete and utter psychopaths. Like, they don't care. Like, and that's why they're so good. They're so laser-focused in on one thing, and that is just – beating the opponent. That's why they're so damn good. Because I, I honestly feel like guys like Michael Jordan, especially having watched some of that, like, like he doesn't actually care about people, you know? Like, he cares about one thing, and that's winning. Um, and that was made abundantly clear throughout his career and, and also through that documentary as well. So, uh, But I think, most, <laughs> I think most humans are not that way. Uh, but you're right. Fantasy football definitely brings out uh, some of the worst in people uh, in regards to how they treat some of these athletes online. 
Yeah, I do believe a couple of years ago there was an incident with um, Todd Gurley towards the end of the season. He tweeted out saying, very fantasy players, I've won your leagues, you can leave me alone now. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that a couple of years ago. Well, it was last season yeah. where he went over the line for the touchdown, didn't he? When he was trying to actually stop before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, and right, he, right. Yeah, and he got slated for that everywhere, didn't he, as well? Yeah, well he, in yeah, actual he really fact, did. it was his defence that lost him the game, but it was Todd Gurley everybody talked about. Also <laughs> true. Those are, those are also true. But it's one thing getting slated for something you've done in a game like that, and a total another thing getting slated on social media because of something fantasy-related. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I, you know, I kind of see both sides. First of all, let, let me just say this. So, like, obviously, I feel for the players. Um, now, that being said, like, let's be, let, put your big boy pants on, okay? You're making millions of dollars, or some of these guys are making millions of dollars, um, and fantasy football helps drive those revenues, right? I just got done saying fantasy football has driven ratings. Ratings r- results in more dollars. Um, more dollars re- uh, than is obviously then passed down to the player. So um, let's, let's either no one, no one's by the way, no one says you have to be on Twitter, right? No one says yeah. you got to be on Twitter. I was getting to you that. You can easily, it, it's a, it's a free app. Okay. You can easily delete that app. Um, and there's no repercussions to you. It doesn't impact you financially. As a matter of fact, the only, I mean, if you're of that level, like you probably shouldn't even be on Twitter. Let's be real. You know, like, it doesn't help your brand. Like, who cares? Like, you know, you can easily delete that social media app and, and you'll be fine. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, man, like, if you've got a problem with fantasy players, too, it's not like someone is forcing you to have these social media accounts either. You can just take your millions of dollars, delete your social media, and move on. Like, the fact that some of these players feel like, any bit of criticism is unwarranted. It's just ridiculous to me, you know? It's like, if you don't want to be criticized, that's fine. Then go do something else, you know? Go ahead, like, pump gas at a gas station if you'd like to. But, sorry, if you're going to be at a high-performing uh, place where you're expected to make millions of dollars, sorry, like, you're going to get some criticism, too, and you've got to put your big boy pants on and be able to take some of that um, and, and, and kind of sort of move on, you know? It, it can't just all be... Buckets of roses thrown at your feet each and every day. I mean, I don't know. Now, now again, do fans cross the line? Absolutely. 100%. Um, and, and it's that kind of behavior that you would like to curb, you know. Certainly talking about somebody's, you know, background or talking about somebody's family or talking about race or religion or whatever, like that's completely out of bounds. Um, but I think we all kind of, kind of, can kind of sort of understand um, where those lines are. But sorry, man, like, if somebody says you suck, like, come on, like, come on. Move, people tell me I suck every day. Like, it's <laughs> fine. I don't get paid. I don't get paid millions of dollars, bruh. You know what I'm saying? So it's fine. Like, just take it, put your big boy pants on, and move on. But it's one thing for them, again, for, for, for them, someone to have a bad game and people dig them out on Twitter Say, you know, rubbish, you know, you're rubbish and all that, because I'm, I'm still thinking of the fancy angle. But then you get the situation where somebody gets injured, which you guess is not their fault, and people still right. dig them Yeah, and that's, that is unfortunate too, man. And again, I, I would also, I agree with you, that is dehumanizing a player, and that's unacceptable. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think you can ever get on a player for getting injured. Uh, that kind of sucks. You know what I mean? And that to me, obviously, I think that's crossing a line as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's just unacceptable. You know, it's like, come on, the guy got injured, you know, like you're going to have to sort of bite that bullet. And, and as a fantasy player, just again, bite that bullet. Don't worry about it and move on. Have you got any, uh, just as another side, sorry, I keep going. <laughs> Have you got any guilty secrets about players that you've learned to love? Purely because they've been in your football team. Like secrets in terms of like, do I know these players personally? No, just, like, play, just players, just players that you wouldn't particularly normally like, but because because the, you've got them in your fancy football side, suddenly you've you've, you've kind of learned to accept them and almost love them because. <laughs> you know what's funny, man? Like, not really. Um, 
I, I understand where that comes from, but um, either if I do have some like real concerns about a player from like a, a moral standpoint, I, I go out of my way to not draft that player. Um, and, or otherwise it's kind of sort of like, I don't know. I just kind of sort of let the game speak for itself and just kind of address everything from a game standpoint, honestly. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, but <laughs> very rarely does that come into my equation. Because you've also got the, the, the thing about you saying from a moral standpoint, there might be someone you don't pick. But surely fantasy football is winning at all costs. No, it's not. Right. It's, it's actually not. Like, and I'm, and I, but I, I'll, I'll also admit, I, I think I'm a little bit different. Um, I don't think it's winning at all costs. Like, I want to win with my team. I want to win with my guys. I want to win with the guys that I'm a fan of. I want to win with guys that I can root for. Um, that's how I want to win. And if I don't win that way, Oh, well, that's, it's fine too. You know, like, that's just, that's just how it is. But I certainly want to win, um, with the guys that I feel like I can really root for and, and guys that I'm, I'm like legitimately fans of, you know? So, um, I do think I'm a little bit different in that way. There are certainly a lot of fantasy analysts out there that just, it's win at, at all costs. So, um, and, and that's fine too. And that, hey, listen, that's fine too. No judgments from my end, but the way I play the game, it's, it's, I, I want to be able to, to really root for a guy um, and really, you know, get behind some of these players. That's why I won't pick an Eagles player, because I'm not going to sit there on a Sunday night <laughs> hoping that the Eagles score. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, hey, listen, gentlemen, I do have to run. I appreciate the time. Uh, James, one, yeah. one question before you go. One quick one. Go ahead. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be terrible. If you could eat any food for the rest of your life, what would it be? It would be it would be cheeseburgers. I, I, and I say that with almost no hesitation. <laughs> any specific cheeseburger? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I just, I like cheeseburgers from different places. It's almost kind of like each one's got its own little flair, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I'm from California. So I love in and out and I will fight somebody that it, that doesn't think in and out is good. I love in and out, but I mean, again, like, you know, like I like big Macs, you know, I like whoppers. Um, you know, I, I like your homemade burgers too. You know, I like your fancy burgers with like brie cheese or like blue cheese and uh, bacon and everything. Yeah, like I like fancy cheeseburgers. I like your plain cheeseburgers. But man, just rest of my life, give me a cheeseburger. I'm in. Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> no. But yeah, it's been a pleasure to have you on again, James. And thanks for giving up some of your spare time to join us, guys. Yeah, oh, thanks for your time, James. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, cheers James. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. I'll see you guys. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Thank you very much. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.